Running is not meant to be stressful, and it doesn't have to be complicated. It's meant to bring us joy, clarity, and confidence. That's why I'm on a mission to teach you how I keep running simple and help you find your inner grit. Let's put an end to the idea that running is just one more weight loss strategy, because the truth is, running can actually be your ticket to a happier, more fulfilled life. By the way, this misconception that running is only meant for certain people, that the ability to run is something you either have or you don't, well, this just isn't true. Running has nothing to do with ability and everything to do with confidence. So follow me while I show you how to run your happy life. everybody. Welcome to the Run Your Happy Life podcast. I am Tina and I have a treat for you today. Picture this. It's 2020 and I'm working in an elementary school as a school counselor. Our elementary school has about roughly 1,000 students to service and my position as a school counselor is split between two full-time counseling positions. Well, at the time, I had a school counseling partner, the other full-time physician, who was pregnant, and she was about to go on maternity leave right about when we started going virtual. And so she ended up going out on maternity leave, and suddenly they could not find a replacement for her. Nobody was interested in working in a school. Everyone was worried about COVID and finding a long-term sub to take over that position seemed nearly impossible. And so I pumped myself up. I knew she was going to be gone for three months and I was like, okay, I can do this. I can do this. And I started taking over both roles. I covered all of the grade levels, taught all of the lessons and I was drained, but it was, it was okay because I had a countdown, right? And then those three months ended and I found out that my counseling partner at the time decided that she was not coming back. She was going to stay home with her baby full time, which I totally understand. And it, it was not about me and I know it's not personal, but I really started to panic because the caseload, the workload that I was taking on while she was gone, I knew I couldn't maintain. I was very close to burnout. and. I told myself, okay, well, I just have to get through this until they're able to, you know, fill the position. As soon as they get, you know, someone to fill a position, it'll go back to, you know, the regular workload, which is still, if you work in the education system, you know, it's still a lot, but nothing like what I was trying to manage. And so one month went by, two months went by, and I was crying almost daily. It was so crazy because nobody intended for you know, things to feel this way. It, 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 it felt very overwhelming, but everyone was trying to help by saying things like, it's okay, you can't do it all. And don't worry about it. You're, you know, you're not a superhero. And so I would think to myself, so what exactly am I supposed to give up? Like, who am I not supposed to help? That's not a thing when you're a school counselor. Like you have to be there to help these teachers and these students And anyway. So it, there was no relief in sight. And then one day I went into my administrator who I absolutely adore 
And I said, listen, I think I need to go part-time next year. I just, I think this is too much for me. And he was like, oh boy, you know, obviously he knew that I was at total burnout level. And he's like, I'm going to make some phone calls today, Tina. I'm going to make some phone calls. And so he came back to me, I would say about probably less than a week later. And he was like, Tina, we got somebody. And I was like, what do you mean we got somebody? And they said, well, she hasn't finished school yet, but she's done her internship. And from what I hear, she is the best of the best, like top of the line. They're going to pull her out, uh, finishing her internship, and they're going to let her work here. She's going to be, I have chills telling you this. Oh my gosh. She's going to be the long-term sub in this position. We found you somebody. And I cried. Oh my gosh. I could cry right now thinking about it. And um, he said, yeah, she's coming in to meet us on Friday, I think the day was. And so in my office, in comes this fiery redhead, smiling like, oh gosh, I literally am getting so emotional thinking about it because I feel like she was my angel, my superhero. She came in and she was the most amazing person I could have ever asked for to come in, to swoop in and take over you know, what was kind of left behind and to pick me up off the floor and say like, okay, we got this. And from day one, this woman just has blown me away with her diligence, the way that she works, with how hard that she works, with how big her heart is, with how much she cares about everybody. And she literally would say to me, Tina, what do you need? Like, I'm here. What do you need? And I didn't have to worry about a thing. She was brand new into the job. She was retired military, but brand new into school counseling. And here I am kind of like a mentor to her. And she would say to me like, I got it. I got it. And she, you know, no matter what I said, it was, she never skipped a beat. She's like, I'm on it. She'd come in early and my life changed so much. And in fact, she ended up getting the full-time position, obviously. And she's still there now as my counseling partner. I'm so grateful for her. But that whole next year, the whole next year when she was my other half, I would say to her throughout the year, because I have never felt this way before ever in my job, I was like I, feel, like, I feel like I don't deserve you. I feel like I I literally don't know how you came into my life. And and I say all of this because I want, I just, to, to paint a picture of who Jane Epelous is as a person, who Jane Epelous is as a, a worker, a coworker, a friend, like she goes all in in every aspect. And if you are running with us, if you're a soulmate and you're listening to this, you already know that from seeing Jane's posts in our running group. You already know that. You know that Jane makes a decision. She decides and she goes all in. I mean, she goes in open heart. She goes in open mind. She goes in just ready to take it on head on and saying, how can I help? What can I do? What do you need? And she just, she, she made such an impact on me. She, what came at such a pivotal moment and I will just be so grateful for her forever, forever. And so it was my pleasure to sit down and spend some time talking to Jane. I never wanted to pressure her into an interview, but I always hoped that she would get on and tell a little bit of her story about how she got into running and a little bit about her history because it is so fascinating. So without further ado, I invite you all to enjoy spending a little time getting to know our lovely, wonderful, most amazing Jane Epelous. And I... I'm really excited about this. I have been hoping and praying that you would want to do this someday. Even when we were working together and you started this journey and you sharing what you, you have with me as far as what running has done for you and 
and how you used to run, like the whole thing, I kept thinking to myself, like, I'm not going to ask her because I never wanted you to feel pressured to do this, but I am so excited to be talking about you and your running journey today. So I'm really I'm excited too. I, I, it's, I, I felt like it was the right time to reach out to you. So, oh, like now, whenever you said like, let's do it. Yeah. Yay. I'm so grateful. So gosh, Jane, you're going to have to start by introducing yourself because I know you in this second half of your amazing life and career. Like that's how we've met each other. And, but you have a whole life before this. So I just, if you could take a minute and just tell us a little bit about who you are, what, you know, your history and um, where you are now, I would love to hear it and share it. Sure. Um, okay. So I am a 47, soon to be 48, mother of one exceptional, getting ready to go into high school student. Um, but before this career as a school counselor, I served in the Navy on active duty for 24 years, had a blessed career of air, land, and sea. Um, and then before that, I was a kid growing up on Long Island in New York. So it's interesting looking back, you know, almost five decades to look at the journey. Um, and what brought me to Virginia was my son. So I lived in New York and then I joined the Navy and I was stationed in Italy. And then I lived in Maine for a couple of years, moved from Maine to Florida for a few years, and then went out to San Diego to do my dream Navy career, which was career counseling. Um, loved that so much. And I did a couple of ships, a CB outfit out there and a couple of shore commands before um, retiring in 2018. And my son and his father transferred here to Virginia about eight months before I retired. So I just followed them. So it just so happened that I got accepted to Old Dominion University to go to grad school and become a school counselor. And I just, things just fell into place. And I feel like Everything in my life, true to this day, Tina, has happened, even though they weren't, it wasn't all beauty and roses, but my life has had a specific path with specific turning points that brought me to where I am right now. And you, and, I mean, you say that often. I mean, we've talked for so many hours, Jane, you and I, and you have said that, and I really, truly believe it, like, I really, I mean, you really feel that in your soul, like everything that's ever happened, even things that we go through, like as coworkers and things that happen in school, like you, like it all feels just meant to be. And you always ground me and remind me like everything has a purpose. And just before we started recording, because this part probably won't be included, I was saying to Jane, oh my God, remember the day that I forgot to send your plans and you're so consistent, which we'll talk about. And, and I thought, oh my gosh, Jane's going to miss her Monday morning run because I didn't get the plan down time. And you know, your response of, yeah, but if that didn't happen, I wouldn't have got to experience that amazing run on that Saturday because I had to reschedule. And that's just like, oh, I just love that about you, Jane. I love it. Before we move into a little bit about your journey with running, please, for those who are not familiar with the military, because this is, I, so I did not grow up in a military family. I did not know much about it. So Jane, you always educate me on like what it, what it means and um, like what the experiences are and like being on a ship and those kinds of things. But can you talk a little bit about your experience in the military? Because, okay, so you came to me as a retired senior chief. 
And to me, yes. I was like, okay, what does that mean? Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I mean, that's huge. And it, it, it plays a, a huge part and reflects very much about who you are and just the type of person you are. So can you tell us a little bit about that journey? Sure, sure. So again, and I, I hate to keep repeating myself, but going back to like everything has its purpose and its time, um, I didn't find the Navy. The Navy found me. I failed out of college my first semester, or actually it was my second semester I failed out when I was at university up in upstate New York. And due to some, I just got myself into some situations that weren't very um, conducive to being a good student and we can all fill in the blanks there. And we can all probably um, relate in some ways, so. <laughs> Yeah. It's and I was going to be a medical technologist. And the first time I went into a biology lab on college level, I couldn't, I couldn't handle it. So anyway, fast forward to my brother had actually joined the Navy and I went back to Long Island for Christmas that year. And he was like, I know you're not doing well in school. If you join the Navy for four years, they'll pay for college, blah, blah, blah. So fast forward to the second I got back up to Albany because I wasn't going to follow the conditions set forth by my father and his wife at the time. Um, went back up to Albany, was working three jobs until I finally was able to go to boot camp in May. And off I went. And I went first to nuclear power training school. I don't know if I ever shared that with you. No. So my arm my armed forces exam took me to like this place they were like you'd be a great fit for nuclear power but what they i didn't know was how much math was involved so as soon as i got walked in the room and there were letters attached see you later bye <laughs> so anyway so again though the trajectory right and where you're supposed to be so then i was reclassified and they gave me a new job and my new job was going to be a military pay specialist so basically I did accounting and military paychecks, like computing everybody's wages for the next nine years. And I left from school in Mississippi, which was the first place I'd, you know, I'd never been to Mississippi before, never been south of the Mason-Dixon line. It was a whole new universe for me. Um, I took my first Amtrak ride from Mississippi up to New York to get ready to fly out to Italy where I was stationed for two years. Um, so in the military, I was back when I joined back in the early nineties, women were not allowed on ships that had guns on them and we call them combatants. So mostly women would go overseas or we would go to replenishment ships, like ships that bring gas and food and other things to the fleet, but that don't engage in using weapons on anything. So as I was in Italy, they opened up the Navy to women serving on all types of ships. And I was so excited because I joined, the Navy sounded cool to me because I grew up on Long Island. The ocean is my favorite place in the world. And I was like, I could have a job where they would pay for college and be on the water all the time. Cause in my head and what reality was were two different things. <laughs> so <laughs> Do you mean as far anyway. as like what your expectations were for the military? Right. Okay. Because I walked into a recruiting office and all you see is these ships with all these guns and all these airplanes and all this stuff. And what it actually was, was a whole lot of picking up trash the first couple of years, a whole lot of cleaning bathrooms, a whole lot of sweeping and mopping. Um, yeah, it was just a lot of menial labor. But the purpose of that is so that 
part of the culture is you become embroiled in this society. And the military is actually a subculture that depends on people being willing to follow an order and to do what they're told for the greater good so that the energy of the leadership can be focused on what ultimately needs to happen, whether it's missiles downrange or launching aircraft or sending people on the ground into real life hand-to-hand -hand combat. So I left um, Italy and I wound up because shipboard life was so competitive I wound up going to Maine and joined a squadron that went to Europe. So I bounced all over. I did three deployments. I lived in Iceland for two six-month periods and in Italy for one six-month period. Not the same place in Italy, a different place. And I got to experience that, which was fantastic. Um, went to Anne Frank's house, which was probably the most profound part wow. of that part wow. of my tour. So there's a lot of humbling experiences and things that you get to do too. And I know that I could go like on and on because I loved my career in the Navy so much. Um, but I didn't get out to a ship for the first time until I'd been in the Navy for nine years because you do have to have a time where they keep you away from your family deployments and things like that. And I didn't have a family um, of my own until later. Um, and then you spend time in the United States at a base doing what they call shore duty. So did Jacksonville, Florida, which I hated because of the palmetto bugs, because I'm an anti-roach kind of person. <laughs> and, <Who's> not. <laughs> and military pay was boring at that point because you can't really learn a whole lot more. You just get more responsibility. Um, and I had gone from E1 is the pay is the when I joined the Navy, I was an E1, which is the lowest you can be. And when I left um, Florida. So that was my third tour. And I had been in the Navy. How many? Yeah. Nine years. I was an E6. So I had gone six pay grades in that time, which was not early, not late, like kind of right on time. And I, I picked orders and this is funny because I changed jobs to career counseling because I was able to do it as a side gig, um, in my squadron and fell in love with it. And they were like, do you want a cruiser or a destroyer? And my brain said, what sounds more badass than a destroyer? <laughs> so how about we do that? Like, I didn't know anything except the only vision in my head, because I'd still never even seen a ship at this point, like in real life, because of where I was stationed, right. there weren't any. Yeah. So in my mind, I'm like, cruiser, like, I thought like cruise ship, like chilling. And I thought a destroyer <laughs> was going to be, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, a cruiser has more weapons on it, but it doesn't matter. So that I just needed to, I wanted to share with you my mindset at the time. And this yeah. is, this was my level of how I picked orders. Right. So anyways. <laughs> I love this. I, now uh, you and I have shared, I mean, I have asked you probably 4 million questions about the military, about your journey. And what's crazy to me is again, we've spent hours talking about these things that what I'm hearing today, though, like I haven't heard before. I just feel like your stories and your experiences are so deep and so like you have lived a thousand lifetimes, Jane. And I just I have been covered with chills. I'm not exaggerating. I've had tears welling up in my eyes and just covered in chills because knowing the type of person you are, knowing your personality. And I know that part of that your personality you've mentioned numerous times is that the, the military, the Navy has help to shape that part of you and it brings you so much comfort like so just hearing about it again like and this again I have not heard these specific stories 
Um, it just, my mind is blown. I'm telling you a thousand lifetimes in the eyes of Jane. And I really hope that you write that book that we've talked about someday, <laughs> all about your life because it's fascinating, but so go ahead, continue on yeah. the destroyer. Yeah. Yeah. Destroyer. Cause it sounded cool. So then I did my first road trip from across the country cause she was in San Diego. So I will backtrack a little bit and explain to everyone that's listening is that my family life was really, really not healthy. Um, my mom died when I was 14. My father was a nasty, mean, horrible drunk. And he married a codependent enabler that also was unhealthy. And when they got married, they were, she was addicted to cocaine. Um, so I didn't have, when I left for, actually I got thrown out at 16. Um, I went back to my, my father's home on the condition that he would pay for my college. I moved back in and then when I failed out of college, I was given you know the obvious live under our house with our rules or figure it out. And I decided to figure it out because of how unhealthy it was for me. Um, for me, it just was very unhealthy. And the other thing that the Navy gave me, and it, it wasn't until I got to my squadron in Maine that I felt like I had a family and it was my family of choice. And because I was able to choose it, it empowered me. And when I became empowered and I had that support of people that genuinely cared about me, and it wasn't because I cleaned toilets better than anybody or I, you know, um, was Although able I know to- you did. I just want to <laughs> add that. I know you freaking did, Jane, but go ahead. Right. Or that I was like always hyper and positive because that's just, I mean, even in, and it's not even, I wish I could say that it was like a fake clown face that I would put on, but it's genuinely who I am. And I don't like being around things that suppress that part of me. Um, but like, like the squadron was my family and they were, it, it changed my life. And it gave me that sense of purpose. And they spent time talking to me about what it meant to be a leader in the Navy, because that's where I earned my first leadership role as an E4. And it was a lot of a lot of time and a lot of effort by a lot of really amazing men. And I will say they were men. And never once did I feel like creeped on or anything like that. Like they genuinely, the I was blessed. I genuinely was able to be molded and mentored and developed and from that i mean i have the seed the seed daddies i have i still when i made chief and when i made senior chief and i'll get into that a little bit later like they were the first people i let know i have charge book entries from them which is a book where leaders that have brought you through the process of becoming a senior manager in the military um they actually write in a book for you about what they see and where they want you to go mm. So anyways, I just wanted to bring that up because it wasn't anything in my life until it stops being fun. I stick with it. And the Navy was fun. I, like I said, I left for Maine squadron, had my family, went down to Jacksonville, hated the Palmetto bugs, still loved the Navy. They said, you can go to a destroyer. I said, hell yeah. Let me get out to San Diego, road trip across the country, you know which was fantastic. I drove, it was the first time I had been to Louisiana, like all the places, because I took the 10 across. Anyways, get to San Diego. I got to a ship that just got back from deployment. So that was a lot of challenges. And I was a first class. So 
how the Navy structured as a first class as a as an enlisted leader. Um, you're just so this rank structure goes from E1 to E9. So now I'm at E6, and I've never been to a ship before. So I'm not asking the other first classes how to do things. I'm going to the E1s and E2s who are sweeping and mopping and cleaning to say, how do I do all this stuff? So anyways, moving from there, I made chief there after I was there. How many years was I there? Two years I was there. I was sailor of the year and I made chief which is a huge thing in the Navy. You are retrained. You go through a mini boot camp again, where they make sure that you start thinking of yourself as a leader. And even though you're good at your job, that's not really important anymore. It's about making sure that you can keep junior sailors engaged for battle and to make sure that they can be mission focused and you can get all the tasks done. Anyway, so left there. That's when I had my son and, um, had gotten married to his father. Um, and I was on shore duty for a couple of years, but of course I can't take like just a normal chill duty. <laughs> I was, <laughs> I was inspecting other ships and their career development programs. So anyway, did that, um, traveled to Hawaii for work, which was so painful. And then it sounded and, really, it really sounded Jane. <laughs> it was, it was, I had to get underway for a whole day on a cruiser. I got to go on a cruiser. Oh, okay. Then you officially knew the difference. Yep. And I have a picture to prove it signed by their CEO, but uh, <laughs> yeah. And then I went to my last ship, um, the boxer and I was a chief then, and I was on there for almost four years and it was a bigger ship. It's a, a Marine carrier. So I did two deployments on there. A total of how many months was I gone? The deployments were one was nine months. One was eight and a half months, but workups are a lot when you're out on a bigger one. So if you know anybody that's on a bigger ship, when they go out, they go out for a couple of weeks. The destroyer could zoom out on a Monday and roll back in on a Friday all the time. Yeah. But I was gone a lot. Um, and at, you know, my marriage had broken up during that time. Um, my son's dad took orders to Washington state and took our son with him because he didn't have to deploy and I was operational. Um, and that's when it started not being fun anymore. And even though I still had a family, I had a whole lot of responsibility. So trying to juggle being a mom and being a sailor, um, and giving, and I was always so focused on my career that I didn't, my heart just wasn't in it anymore because my son became more important. Mm -hmm. So the love that I had for my Navy family, it's not that it went away. It was just harder to manage it and manage all of the other things. So I left there and I had at that point, I had enough time to retire, but I still wasn't done. And I was lucky enough to be able, you know, we have the technology FaceTime. I was able to see my son every month. I was able to have him for holidays and stuff like that. Um, and I was lucky too, because my, his dad's, his dad's mom was able to live with them. So my son had two, you know, parentis type things. It wasn't the same, but anyway, I went to a CB battalion, which was supposed to be shore duty after getting off of sea duty. And after a year, I, it, it, it was exhausting. Um, I had to learn how to do hand, like hand to hand type combat and mm -hmm. like, shoot big guns and run around. And at that point I was post hysterectomy because I had to have a hysterectomy after the Navy messed up on a procedure um, with me and, you know, running in 
a bunch of gear in camouflage with a gun not really my jam so this is all like again after becoming a mom having hysterectomy and like that do you see why I say like a thousand lifetimes Jane like you're like like so many things that you've experienced and gone through and and worked through and and for so many people like I mean and for you as well like these are huge pivotal things and like I can't imagine and and you know that's when you said like you had Irie and that's when it stopped becoming fun. Like, I can't imagine that the turmoil of like, especially as driven as you are, like, this is my career path. I want to do well at it. I want to succeed. I want to continue to grow. Like, I love my career and you've been dedicated to it for so long, but now you have this little person who just steals your heart and steals everything from you and nothing else matters. Like what turmoil that must've been for a little while trying to figure out like, how do I even navigate this? Because I'm so drawn knowing you, Jane, I know you are so drawn to like being the best you can be in your career and being available and and trying to do all of the things there in the Navy, but now also wanting to do all of the things as a mom, like, holy cow, I can't even imagine what that must've been like trying to navigate all that. And then, like you said, the the hysterectomy and I mean, girl, you are tough. Yeah. You know, one of the blessings of coming from dysfunction though is it does give you an ability and uh, and it's i think a unique ability when you experience trauma especially childhood trauma to compartmentalize and at the end of it it comes down to a simple word and that's called survival so we go back to maslow and we and maslow's hierarchy of needs like we have to meet our basic needs in order to survive so my brain was programmed already to understand that there was never going to be, and I don't, it sounds so self-serving, but I hope it doesn't come across that way. Nothing in my life is ever on glass. It's never smooth. It's never easy. There's always a hurdle. There's always a mountain. There's always a valley. There's always, always, always. And that was my life since I was about, I don't even, as far back as I can remember, there was always something. So it's when it's quiet and it's calm is when I become concerned. So looking back, having this conversation with you and looking back going, I don't know how, but I do know that it has everything to do with my ability to put things in boxes, throw them on the shelf. I can't worry about that right now because if I'm distracted thinking about how much I miss my kid, a sailor could lose their arm because I didn't catch the fact that they're standing too close to a line. Or that sailor could go overboard because I wasn't paying attention. Or someone could be coming up the brow with a weapon and try to kill people on my ship. So it's it's about also not ha- – it's part of the training too. Like, mm-hmm. So it's a lot. Um, and I had made senior chief right when I left the ship too when I got to the battalion. So that was E8. So I was one level away from my ultimate Navy goal of being a master chief. So that had been my goal. A year in the battalion, I couldn't. My body couldn't take it. My body couldn't take it and my heart could not take being away from my son. So I put my retirement papers in the earliest you can do, which is 24 months out, two years out. um, And it took me out of the running for promotion. And I knew that I had a darn good shot at being promoted. There's no Um, doubt in my mind, Jane. And I'm just going to share this because you probably can't say it about yourself. But Jane is the absolute hardest working most dedicated, most loyal, organized, supportive. Like, I don't even have enough words to describe Jane Epelous. 
And I know this because she and I work together currently as school counselors. We are we are a team, the two of us. And when Jane came to me, I swear it was like Wonder Woman. <laughs> she just, and I, you know, I'll tell that story probably in my intro when I go back to do this again about how Jane was like this gift that was given to me at a time that was so hard. But like the first, the my first experience in working with Jane, I'm like, who is this lady? Like, she's amazing. Like she dots her T's. No, she doesn't dot her T's. She crosses her T's and dots her I's and she just is there for you. Like, how can I help? What can I do? How can I support? Does this work for you? What do you think of this? Like, I can't even imagine. Yes, I can. I can imagine you as a leader in the military. So when you say you had a very good chance, there is no freaking doubt in my mind, Jane, that you 100% were deserving and well on your way to Master Chief. And I know that with every fiber of my being because you are a unicorn. And I tell her this, I really do. I tell Jane this probably at least once a week, if not daily. Like, how did I get so lucky to be able to work with you? Because you are such an amazing, amazing human, Jane. And and again, all the hours that we've talked and hearing you, we've talked about compartmentalizing because that's part of what we do even now with kids. And, you know, we hear their struggles and sometimes it breaks us a little bit. And we've talked about like, put it in a box, put it on the shelf, um, that kind of thing. But to hear you even describe how life is you know, expecting the highs and the lows and how it's never going to be smooth sailing. Like we talk about that a lot in our running. And so like that metaphor for life in general, like it just, it helps me to even further understand you and appreciate you and, and realize like how you are, who you are and how you do the things that you do. So I just wanted to verify, make sure everybody knows that she's not blowing smoke, Jane, 100%. (laughs) would have been there and deserves every bit of recognition and leadership roles that she got because she's an amazing, amazing human and the hardest working I've probably ever met in my life. Thanks, Tina. But yeah, so that was my Navy thing. I mean, it was 24 years of my life. I have no regrets. It was the best thing that could have came into my life because of all the things that it gave me and it taught me about myself. And I would like to look back and think that I was a good leader. I was, I was the closer. So whenever there was a problem and it needed to be solved, I mean, that's one of the things that I also attribute to. And, you know, there are a lot of people and I will only I will use my siblings as an example. My siblings use early childhood trauma as an excuse for not being a good contributor to society. I have seen how many gifts that you know, resiliency gives you because you're able to problem solve in a second because there are times where my my very life depended on me reacting very quickly um, and in my home, not in the Navy. I mean, the Navy was easy for me in that regard because it was very easy to not be emotionally involved in it, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, um, but when I, knowing when I would have left the battalion, I would have had to go back to a ship my body would not have. It just couldn't. She just couldn't. She was done. So well, and I I just regrets though. I love this side of the blue line. You know, and we've talked about that too. And like it's it's divine how things line up the way that they do. But I do also want to make sure I pay appropriate homage in this conversation to uh, you know, and we don't have to talk about it in detail or anything like that, but what you've experienced as a child, like you talked about it briefly about like your family situation and what you had gone through and being out thrown out at 16. And you do 
Like it is never something that you have ever said, like, well, like, you know, used as a crutch or, you know, like when you even talk about it, you talk about it and how you've grown from it and how you've overcome it. But it was, it was intense and it was a, it was a lot and you have overcome a lot. Like, so for you to get where you are and be and be where you are, I just want to make sure that I, you know, again, just point out the fact that you have gone through hell, Jane, like you have been through so much and just, it just further, you know, solidifies how, how amazing it is that, you know, you are where you are and you do what you do and you have the, the, the outlook on things that you do, because you, you do have a way of turning anything into a, well, you know, this is why it happened. This is where I am. And I'm very blessed that I'm here. So, um, it's pretty incredible. It really is. And I, and I do feel grateful. We've, again, we've talked for hours about all this and I'm in awe of Jane and her, her story goes deep in her. And one day Jane Epelous is going to write a book about it. And <laughs> I want to make sure that I'm the first one to buy a copy because it's, it's a fascinating story, but, um, you'll get your sign for free. <laughs> I can't wait. And I'm telling you, you have to do it. You have to do it, Jane. And I already know a group of people who would line up to buy it, and that would be your soulmates because oh. everybody in our group who will be listening to this first. Like, I know they're going to be chomping at the bit, like, let me learn more about Jane. But I will share that in our group, Jane is, she literally signifies the start of our week. She is going to be up before the sun. She's going to be running her first workout before the sun even rises, posting it on in our group. And then everyone else's eyes are going to start to open and be like, oh, Jane did it. I got to get up now. I got to get out there. And that's going to happen every Monday and Wednesday and Friday. Like it's going to happen and it's going to be all sunshiny. You know, even if her run is hard, Jane's going to be like, but I did it and I challenged myself. And so tell me a little bit about you getting into this running journey because you did run before. This is not your first time, your first experience with running. No, no. Um, actually, I fell in love with running on my last deployment in Iceland. Very many in 2000. And then... Um, when I got to Florida, I was an avid runner. I ran, I mean, it was treadmill runs in Iceland, obviously, um, because it's cold and windy. And I was there from August to February. So there's no trees in Iceland if you've never been. So the wind is very bracing um, where we were stationed on an airfield. So um, all my runs were on a treadmill. And then I got down to Florida and it I, I got to Florida in January, so or I'm sorry, March. So it was perfect weather, like spring before the heavy humidity. So my friend Jessica that I had met in Iceland on my first deployment just so happened to be one of my coworkers in Florida. Again, the Navy's a very small place. So her and I started running every morning. I was running 5K a day, and I would, you know what? I used to run that 5K. We would run 5K in 35 minutes five days a week, Monday through Friday. And then on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, because we would run from five to 5.30, we would go to the gym and we would either do weights if it was Monday, Wednesday or Friday or Tuesday and Thursday, we would go to the gym and shower because Monday, Wednesday, Friday was command PT. So we would have to meet with our unit at 6.30 to do an hour of PE, PT, uh, <laughs> physical training. So wait a second, you so, woke up at five, you, you ran at five or five 30. Oh, four. Yeah. So that you could woke up at four, met at five, ran till five 30. Yeah. Oh my God. And I was then... a gym rat though. I mean, I was on a base with air crew. I mean, we're all adults here. 
There was so much eye candy. I would have worked out for eight hours if I meant hanging out at that gym, girl. And I, I bet too. Like, <laughs> and I bet too. I mean, I feel like this now, but I bet like it was so therapeutic, like to be on that schedule and have those workouts and like you know, I don't know. It just takes it takes the stress away to be able to get it out like that and and to work out for that amount of time. Absolutely, and like to prove to myself because I would be. I was a beast. I was a beast. And it was, it ha I had my, you know, obvious, I've shared the, you know, some of the reasons why I was in the gym so much, but also like it built that teamwork because a lot of the folks in Florida that I hung out with were Navy aircrew and aircrew works out. Aircrew has to be in good shape. And a lot of the guys and like people that I worked with in the, as a military pay person, we're gym rats. We were all in the gym all the time. If you didn't have kids and a spouse and all that, the gym was part of your social experiment. So uh. anyway, so that was where my running journey was. Well, then after I left Florida, I, I, ha I lost my running partner. Jess went to Spain. I went to San Diego. And shipboard life, shipboard life is San Diego if you couldn't pay me enough money to take a vacation there. Um, I'm just not a fan, but shipboard life is hectic. Shipboard life, I would get start my work day at five in the morning and I would leave at 6 p.m. Wow. Um, on my small ship. Like there was not a whole lot of time to work out. I would get in a workout, but it would be on the elliptical. So that's when I started with that. Now the elliptical is a good foundation. So I was still able to do my Every six months, we have to take an, a physical readiness test. So I was still able to do that. But then the Navy changed its rules to where you could do your PFA on an elliptical. Well, it just so happened that all that changed when I had Irie. And I will talk about my pregnancy with this. I loved being pregnant. I was the happiest watermelon with legs that ever existed. I ate what I wanted when I wanted it. If I wanted a whole package of Oreos, I ate them. If I wanted Buffalo Wild Wings five days in a row, ate it. <laughs> I had a very supportive husband at the time. He ate it with me. Yeah, girl. <laughs> so I, I literally, I will, I look at photos of myself and I cringe. I was so happy, but I was so chubby. And so, and I thought that when I got on the scale right after delivery, as soon as I started walking around, that was, I thought it was a good idea because I thought miraculously all those Oreos and all those chicken wings and fried pickles went into Irie and they weren't in part of me. So anyways. I love you, Jane. <laughs> so is this so why you're, where you're getting at? Like why you were you, why you were happy about the elliptical being a. a... Yeah. Okay. Because then. Then all my problems with my body started. So post-delivery, I knew that I needed to get back because you only have six months to get back into prepartum. At that point, you only had six months to get back into prepartum conditioning. My body had six months to get back to within weight and ability to be physically meet the requirements to be on active duty. So... Um, I used the, and that was the elliptical. So all I did was the elliptical and the elliptical and the elliptical and went and got B12 shots and all these other things just to get myself back in shape um, and able to do it. And I did it, but I never went back running. Mm. And the elliptical was my BFF. And it kind of worked out because that's when um, the Navy did a procedure for 
permanent birth control that was only an experiment in an experimental phase. It hadn't been approved yet by the FDA. Anyway, I don't want to go into too many details, but I wound up developing a condition that ultimately led to me having hysterectomy, which then again caused some of the other things we joke about in the running group with, uh, you know, women incontinence. And I'll just say that. Yeah. So I had not ran the last time that I had a run for pleasure until we, I joined, um, the soulmates was 2003, hmm. 2003 to 2000. I was 22. I mean, it was late 2021, but I mean, you're talking about 19 years, wow. 18, 19 years. Yeah. And so what made you decide to give this a shot? What made you decide to say like, okay, well, hey, running, I see you. Let's give this a try again. Um, well, I, I don't want to say it was peer pressure because that's not the right word. But there was a day that, because you had been sharing with Jenner and I about how you had started this and you were really passionate about it. And you and I, you and, as you've said, you and I have shared a lot. We're a lot deeper than coworkers. Mm -hmm. um, and just your passion for it. And like, I, I start, like you kind of opened one of those boxes for me, Tina. And like, like I remembered what that felt like. Cause people used to say to me what you said, you know, what we talked about earlier, like, what do you mean you're up and then you're doing this and then you're going back to the gym. And like, what is that about? It was like, there's just this piece that comes from the ability to start and finish something. And you were talking about your journey with running and you were sharing that with us. And Jenner was talking about how she used to be an athlete and how she missed that feeling. And like, I, I just, it just started like, like there was a part that called to my soul that said, this is a good thing that's in one of those boxes, friend. Like, like, why don't we open that box and see what we can do? Because then you had mentioned, yeah, I'm thinking about doing this like trial and like just to see and, you know, I'm working on this and you were so passionate about it and you have such a beautiful soul, Tina. Mm. And like, just the desire that you have to genuinely just be the best person that you can be for your family, for your husband, for you and for everyone around you. Like that really, I wanted to be part of that. I wanted to just test it. Not only did I feel that calling from inside of me, but I wanted to be part of that with you. Mm. And I wanted, because I knew that if you needed people to test something and you wanted to see a trial, I knew, I knew that I could be that for you and with you, you know, like I knew that, I knew that I would give it a hundred percent because I committed as, as a person that matters in your life. Oh, Jane Epelous. Nobody can see us, but. Jane got us going, you guys. <laughs> Jane, I just adore you. I really do. You are the sweetest thing. And I have to tell you, like, I, you know this, you know that I've, like, when we, when we talked about it, <clears throat> the running thing, I would say, like, are you guys sure? Like, I don't want you to feel like you have to do this. And you're like, no, Tina, I don't do things. I remember you saying this to me, like, I don't do things I don't want to do. Like, I, I want to do this. And, um, I was like, okay, well, you know, let's do this. And, um, do you, I mean, we talked a lot about it in the beginning and a lot of, of some of the struggles of what it felt like to start again. And, 
and you know, it's very hard in the beginning and, and you do have a way of saying like, I'm going to see this through. And I know I, there's no doubt in my mind, Jane, if there's anything you do decide, like, I want to do it, like it's going to happen. You're going to see it through. There's go, you're going to get to that finish line. So that was never a concern. But what were you thinking when you first started those workouts in the beginning when you were like, oh, hey, running, there you are. Like, I remember these feelings, but also this, this is hard. <laughs> Right, right. So the first thing I thought of was, it doesn't feel the same like when I got on a treadmill when I was 23. Like, I'm 47. Like, this is not this. It's not 20. Because I was like, 20. Is she serious? 20 seconds? Like, 20 seconds? 20 seconds I can hold my breath in the bottom of a pool. How hard is that going to be? But like, get it was... My, so the first thing was like, it, okay, you want me to do 20 seconds? I got this. The second thing was, holy crap, like what's going on with my body? Where is she? Like, what happened to you? <laughs> it didn't feel like this. No, it did not feel like this when I, in Iceland on that day. So and there's no sauna to jump into after. And we started, but then it felt good though, too, because it was in the fall, right? So it was all like, it was like brisk. And then I felt like, and I, but see the mistake too was when I started it, I started running after work. Afternoon is not my gym. It is, I, I expend so much mental and physical energy throughout the day that I have nothing left except to cook dinner and sit my happy self on the couch. <laughs> and I forgot about that. Because you're so much our morning runner, I forgot that you did start off in the afternoons. And I remember the transition to when you had shifted to morning and you were like, I, I feel amazing. Like you were literally bouncing down the halls at school, like when you started doing it in the morning. And it, it was like, and you had to, you, oh, this is the thing, like I'm so jealous of. You just decided, like, this is going to be my routine. Like it was just a decision. It wasn't like, a, I hope I can do this. You were like, nope. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, like my alarm is set. This is what I'm doing. And you did, like you just decided and you've never, you have never, to, it's been almost a year. You've never stopped showing up in that way since you just said like, okay, Jane's gonna do this and that's what Jane did. And Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, you would literally come bebopping in feeling so good on those run days. It's like, yep, got my run in and just cruise through the day. Like, yeah, you might've been tired in the evening, but girl, we're all staring at you. Some of us are still trying to figure out how to channel our inner Jane Epeluth to get up for a run before work, so. Well, but, but too, part of that has to do with my whole career. The military starts, like our work day, we wake, like if you're on a ship, you wake up the, the crew alarm because an alarm goes out to wake you up and it's a whistle at six in the morning. And it doesn't, the workday doesn't end until 10 o'clock at night. And I'm just talking about shipboard life. I mean, so, so even though I, I only spent, how many years? I only spent maybe a third of my career on USS vessels. That's something, because in order to beat traffic, to get to base, if you're on shore duty, you've got to be the earliest bird doesn't have to sit. I don't sit still well. I don't sit still well at my desk. I don't sit still well in traffic. I don't sit still well in the airport. I, I'm just not a, I don't wait well. So 
No, and I, and I definitely, I concur. And, and, and in all the best ways, like that is Jane, like in a nutshell is no, like, let's go. We got stuff to do. Let's get it done. Half the time Jane is like done with something like three days before I've even processed the thought of what needs to be done, which is so funny. Our, our dynamic at work because we're so opposite, but it works. It works. It works so well, but anyway, go ahead, Jane. No, no, but that's what I was saying about the morning running. Like, it's not like I'm some superhero and I'm just like, I leap up out of bed, like ready to take on the day. Now I do do that, but that's. Because... <laughs> no, you, you definitely 100% do that. I'm like, wait a minute. Yes, you do. Like, yes, you do. And sometimes. So funny you... sidebar. Funny sidebar. <laughs> and then you finish up with an espresso or two or three, and then you're ready to take off during the day. Ready to go. And then at lunchtime, I drink a monster. Yes. Yeah unhealthy no. not during the summer though friends only during the school year um no. not on the weekends but yeah like so this is almost 30 years of being conditioned and and I went to catholic school too which always had an earlier start than public school so this is probably my whole life since I started school I've always been an early kid and I remember always being up before the sun my earliest really? memories I always used to and I was not allowed to leave my room until after eight o'clock in the morning so I would read or whatever um, and then, yeah. And uh, I do believe that. I mean, I really do believe that part of that has trained, but there, but there is something else about you, Jane, and who you are, where I think if you decided that you were going to run it seven o'clock PM every night, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, like if you decided that, like, if you were like, that's me, like, and it's done, Jane decided and, I, and it's done. Yeah. And I thought about doing that to change things up for myself, like <laughs> to try and see like, what all because like I said I waited until the sun came up the other day to like try and join the crowd and I was like f this (laughs) so let's talk about that for a second because Jane she runs before the sun comes up it helps at this time this is you know the middle of summer like the hottest days and so Jane is up running before the sun rises um you know still in the humidity but she decides to challenge herself right you decided like okay I'm going to get out there. I'm going to force myself to wait until the sun comes up. And your reasoning was because you wanted to add an additional challenge. Right. And I want it because I feel really, I, you know, we all cheer each other on. So I'm like, man, these, these women are like, and men are like badass. They're like running the streets. It's hot as all get out outside. Like the steam is coming up off the sidewalk and here are my soulmates getting it on the boardwalk in the woods on the mean streets and here i am like hiding out in the dark <laughs> like a vampire getting my run in so i was like yeah let me wait till the sun comes up and see what happens next you are so funny because i know 1000 percent. like we do not see it like that but that's funny like so you were looking at people and when you say like getting it you're talking about like we all hit snooze and slept in so we're sweating our tails off in the middle of the day because we didn't get up as early as Jane because we wanted to. And the majority of us set our alarms, Jane. We just snoozed until the sun came out. But so now we're dying out there and you wanted to see if what it felt like. I wanted to be equal to the sun warriors. I wanted to rise to that level. Oh, I love that. The sun yeah. warriors. Yeah. That sounds way better than the, the person who hit snooze too many times. Yeah. I mean, I think that it's powerful. There is something powerful to combat the elements. Just like Mike, Repa, your husband, busted my chops about not wanting to run in the rain. 
And I've done it twice and I hated it both times. I will never be a rain runner, Mike Rappa. I will never be, but I'll try it. Write that down, Mike Rappa. <laughs> she did it though, you did it. I did, I tried it, didn't like it. <laughs> Even with the hat on, didn't like it. I love you, Jane. <laughs> oh my gosh. And so let's talk a little bit about where you are at this point because you, you signed up and running came back into your life. Yep. And you killed the 5K training programs. It was 10 weeks. And then you ran your 5K. <laughs> I'm not laughing because of what happened. I'm laughing because I'll never forget. I mean, something did happen that day on your 5K day. But yeah. I'll never forget how you were like, I'm going back to that trail. And I'm, I don't know if you said I'm taking my hammer with me. You were taking a tool and you were going to go, you know, you were going to have at it with the roots. that. So go ahead and share your story about your 5K day when you finally made it there. <sighs> Yeah. So I'm really big on running 5Ks for military purposes. So my first 5K for 5K day was, um, which was it? Was it the Why Fallen am Heroes? I was it Fallen Heroes? Fallen Heroes was the one that I did with Christian. Okay. Um, it was, why am I forgetting? I did it with Jenner. Like, oh, the Valor 5K. Yes, that, the Valor so 5K. The Valor 5K was for Fallen women service women and halfway through the trail I was you know doing my thing because I've noticed too with like group 5ks I get in my head too much so I've got to keep doing them so I stopped doing that anyway the halfway point when we turned around you go up this little incline because you were doing it was a loop so you went right you went back to where you started from and they had the memorial set up with all the fallen service women that were being commemorated at this event for a scholarship. And instead, and it was a very rooty area of the trail. And I looked up and was paying homage to them in my mind. And I lost what I call, the word is situational awareness. And I'm surprised it hasn't come up until right now, but situational awareness is being fully aware of all the things in your surroundings. Like if you hyper-focus on something, you can have some kind of mishap. So we use that terminology a lot in the Navy. I've talked with you about it, Tina. I've talked with Jenner about it. We yes. laugh about it all the time. It's our, it's our um, running joke. Like, oh, did Jane lose situational awareness again? Because she's very, you're very adamant about always having situational awareness, so. Right, right. So I did, and I twisted my ankle so bad on the trail that I heard it pop. Jenner just so happened to be right in front of me and heard me scream because I don't, I shouldn't say scream, I yelped, but it was dramatic enough and I don't like to make a scene, but to where she wound up walking back with me and, you know, hindsight always twenty twenty. I probably should have just gotten in the little truck and gotten back to my car um, because I sprained it bad and I was out for, I think, six weeks. I had a pause on the program. I had to stop completely. I think I, I went and there was planes, trains and automobiles because I'm still dealing with retired military medicine, but um, I didn't do any kind of activity for, I think, a week and a half, two weeks. And then I had to do the elliptical for a while. And then um, before I came back to and the so next Jane round. And so Jane says after this happens, she's like, no, I'm, I'm going back to that trail and I'm taking my hammer yeah. and I'm going to find that route. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to dig it up. Because it was BS and it was like... I think that my heart hurt and my pride hurt 
more than anything. I knew that I was I was finishing that dang because the day before the run before that, when it wasn't officially 5K day, I had ran a 5K in my neighborhood. Yeah. And I had, so I didn't have any doubt that I would finish it, but I wanted to finish for the purpose. Right. You know, so I was extra mad. Yeah. I was so mad. I can't fault you for that either. I would have wanted to finish that too. It reminds me of when they tried to kick me off that same trail during my 50 mile run back in the day. And I was like, you can pull me off this trail, but I'm still finishing this run. And I, and I ended up walking and drinking milkshakes, but you just have to see it through. Like I just have to finish this. I decided I'm doing it and I'm going right. to finish this. And so, so Jane, you finished your 5k, you did have a sprained ankle for a while and it took, it took forever for you to get the appropriate care, not for lack of trying, just like you said, you know, military medicine can be a challenge sometimes. And then you finally healed from it. And do you want to talk a, a, for a minute about like where you are now and what your goals are and how you're doing currently now that it's been, so when will it be a year for you? Is that in, um, November? Yes. I want to say it's November. Okay. I think it is November. It'll be one year for you. So tell us where you are right now. Okay. So right now I'm in week seven of the Wicked 10K challenge. Um, yeah. So we're in, we're running two miles this week, two miles each day, three times a week, two runs are done. It's Thursday night. <laughs> I may do the third run tomorrow. Probably will do the third run tomorrow. Um, and, you know, I have been very conscious of taking it slow this training round I was very slow at the beginning and very mindful um, what helps out a lot is when the different zoom meetings and the the Facebook times where we talk of where you've specifically focused on it's your journey it is your race it is your time so before like I remember the first round of 5k I was very adamant about watching my time because my ultimate you know my first 5k goal was to get back down to the three to 5k a day under 35 minutes that was my goal when I started the program mm -hmm. but reality tells me that hey girlfriend I love you so much but it is 25 years later since you started your began running and really it has been a very long time since you've really ran because you wanted to. Mm -hmm. So now let's talk about what your new reality is. Cause the body, as much as my brain feels like she's in her twenties still, and some of the choices I make sometimes are a little questionable for someone in their late forties. <laughs> uh, I, my goals now have shifted. I, want to cross the wicked 10k with my team mm. i want to cross the finish line not because i feel like i made a promise and i don't want to let people down but because i feel like i'm once again and i never thought it would ever happen again for me and this is the first time i'm actually saying it out loud i feel like i'm part of something bigger than myself it's not Life is a lonely place. It can be a very lonely place. And Soulmates has given me a, a new family. So my goal is to just be able to be supportive and caring of everyone while finding and continuing to grow within myself. Because every run is not, I stopped, I mean, I, I messaged you the other day about time because I was so proud of it, but mm -hmm. really it's not about that. It's about just feeling my body and being thankful for what it can do now. And it, it had 
it has been through so much and, you know, it's still working. And I'm, I'm getting ready to, 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 I'm training for a 10K and completing 6.2 miles of running, which will be the longest distance in my life that I've ever ran. For no other reason than I just want to make, I, I just want to prove to myself that, you know what? Yeah, you do have a family again and you do have the ability to do whatever it is. Like none of those things that I thought that I lost when I transitioned out of the military have gone anywhere. They're just repurposed into something else. And this is, my running journey is part of my purpose now. Mm. I'm covered in goosebumps. I have tears in my eyes. Jane, and I have to say this too, and I was just talking to Mike about this today. No joke. I'm not even making this up. I said, Jane is so supportive of everybody. I said to him today, and not even because I knew that we were going to talk tonight. It just, it popped in my head and I said, the way that she reaches out to people and not just our team, but the way that you take the time to respond so thoughtfully to everybody and, and their journey and their runs that they're doing. And you, you know, you take the time to let them know, like they're doing a great job and like, they're just, it's so thoughtful. And I was just telling him that today and he was like, yeah, I noticed that too. Like, and, and I can feel that when you say like, this is, this is your running family. And this is, you know, similar to the Navy, as far as like us having each other, like I, you display that. And I feel that and I know everybody feels that like just the thoughtfulness and the, the genuineness that comes from you. And, and I, I see it. I mean, I, I really see it. And again, not just because we were talking tonight, but Mike and I were just talking about that today, like in our newest runners, how much you lift them up and you say to them, like, you know, but look at you, you're doing it and you've got this and it might be hard, but you know, encouraging them along the way. So I just feel so grateful. And you did that even through the challenge, like all the people who showed up for the challenge, like you were there every time somebody posted, you were there with the lifting them up and don't worry, it'll get easier. And I remember being there too. And, and, and it, it really matters and it means a lot. And so whatever part of our family that makes you, I'm just grateful that we have you as that part. I don't know the foundation, the mom, I don't even know what part of it is, but I am, I'm so grateful. And I know everybody listening to this, all of your soulmates will feel that way too. Um, I'm so, so glad that they get to listen to your journey. Is there anything that you would want to share? Um, I guess let's say, and this is kind of a tough question or vague question, but Anything that you'd want to share with somebody who, who might be, you know, doubting themselves on this journey or maybe getting started or unsure if they can do it. Um, the people who listen to this are our soulmates, of course. And we know that we, like you said, hills and valleys, we always go through this. Can I really do this? Can I see this happening? And then people who want to, to dive into this and be you wanting to be training for a 10 K. Like, is there anything that you'd want any message you'd have for them or that you, you would want them to know or hear that you think has really helped you? Yeah. Yeah. Actually, you know what there is, there's a couple of different things and I'll try to be as brief as I can without talking over and over again. I think the first thing that we have to all acknowledge is when we go in the bathroom and look in the mirror, we are our own worst enemy. Um, but we are our own best support and we are our own best champion. So we just have to tune, turn up the volume on the part of ourselves that knows what we have deep inside and we have to turn down the volume of the voice that tells us we can't do it. 
every day, at least once a day, I find something to be hypercritical of myself for every day. And it's, I'm being very generous by saying at least once because I wish it wasn't this way, but it's, it's a lot. Running, you never have to question it. Running's the only thing in my life, in our lives as runners. It's the only thing that we don't have to question if we're making the right choice. Because it's not for anyone else. It's not making a decision that could impact our spouse or our children or our partner or our home or our pet or society. It's a choice that we get up and we put in our day and it's for us and about us. And no matter how horrible the run is, how many times I have to stop and walk or hack up a lung or throw up on the side of the road, <laughs> I made a choice that betters my body, it betters my mind, and it betters my soul. And if I do nothing else right in a day, I ran and that was right. So I think that if there are folks out there who don't know if they can or aren't sure if it's the right choice for them, all I can say, Tina, and to all of you who are listening to me right now, what do you have to lose? You've already told yourself at least one thing that you weren't doing right. So do this for you. And I promise it's the best choice. I love that so much, Jane. I feel like I want to stand up and like pop my fists in the air. Like you hit the nail on the head and I haven't thought about this in a very long time, but this is true. And I think I feel this when I run, but just having you put words to it, it's true that when you decide you're going to run that day in a day, like no matter what else happens that day, you made the choice to get up and to do it and to check the box. And it is one thing that you got right, no matter what it looks like. You got it right. You did it. And like you said, whatever else happens throughout that day, like you will always have that. You always have that. And it feels so good. And I, and I, and I often, you got, you guys hear me say like, it just, it helps me to be sane. It helps me to be a better person. But I think at, at the root of all of it, I think that's why. I mean, I think it helps us physically, of course, but that, that whole, like, I've decided to do, to do this for me. I'm showing up. I'm checking the box. I am, I am, I'm doing this and I did it. And now whatever the day brings, the day brings. And I haven't thought about that in a long time. So thank you for sharing that, Jane. You're welcome. Well, we're going to have to do this after your 10K. And I've told you, maybe you don't want me to share this, but I've already told Jane We've talked about like, I don't know, maybe Jane someday you'll think, I wonder if I can do a half marathon. And, and you, and you have said, if you could see the looks Jane's giving me right now, and you have said like, I don't know, Tina, but I did get you to say one time, you never know anything's possible. Right. And isn't that the magic of like, I can't even sit here as much as I'm the first thing that I thought, and you will laugh and everyone who's listening to this will laugh. The first thing I thought of you're asking me for a hell of a lot of time, Tina Reppa. 
what time will I have to get up? Because I've already <laughs> talked with Jenner about this. And if she's listening, she's going to laugh right now. I have already said, Jenner, what time am I going to have to get up to run before work the closer we get to this wicked? <laughs> and she just, so I know she's laughed. Jenner, I love you. Um, but I, every time you have a plan, every time I have a plan, God laughs at me. Yeah. Every time I make a long-term plan and say, no, that's, I didn't want to have a child. I didn't want to have children. I was going to be one of those old retired Navy master chiefs that sat at the VFW drinking beer and smoking cigarettes until <laughs> I passed away at like 95 years old. And then there's my Irie, yeah. right? Oh, Irie, I love So, that. you know, I, and that's just one example. I could tell sea stories for days, but yeah. So I will never say never to you, Tina Rapa. <laughs> But if I ever have to say no, you know, there'll be a valid reason. I know, Jane. I just like to tease you because I i mean, Jane has always looked at me like, Tina, like enough, kind of what we're saying right now, like, come on, like you convinced me to do this six miles, like let it go. But there was one day we were, I'll never forget, you're walking to the, into the parking lot, walking to our cars. And she was like, I don't know, you know, I'll never say never. And so I'm like, I'll take it. <laughs> So we're going to have to do an, another recap, Jane, after the 10K to get your thoughts on the whole experience. You can tell us how you how early you had to get up to get these runs in um, before work during, you know, when we get closer to the 10K. But I am just so grateful for you to take your time to come on here. And I know our soulmates are going to eat this up and they're going to say like, I don't know, they just... I think that they are going to get to know a little bit about you, know you a little bit more like I do and just love and appreciate you even more, Jane. So thank you for joining well, thank us. thank you. <laughs> All right, Jane. Well, I love you. I hope you have a great rest of your night. Thank you for hanging out with me. I'm going to send you, um, I've already made your image for whenever the podcast releases, which will be not this weekend, but next weekend it will release. So um, you get to share it with everybody and let everybody hear your amazing story because you're an amazing, beautiful person, Jane Epelous, and I appreciate you so much. Was that not just the best way to spend the past hour of your time getting to know Jane? Her story is absolutely phenomenal. One thing that I wanted to come back and mention before this podcast aired was that Jane works really hard on keeping a routine you know we talk a lot about how she gets up so early before the sun and she gets her runs in and i wanted to take a minute to share some tips that she's actually shared with me when i've tried to become an early morning runner now i haven't gone full on into trying to become an up before the sun runner if i'm being completely honest but jane is really great about having like um I guess a strict bedtime, meaning, you know, a routine where she really sticks to going into her room and reading for an hour before she falls asleep. So she puts her phone on do not disturb. And I think that's, I think that's such a great idea. I've recently started doing that. I would say over the past three weeks, I've started putting my phone on do not disturb. And it's because Jane had mentioned that to me. So, you know, you don't get those, the, the vibrates and the buzz and the, you know, all those things impact your sleep. And I think it's been a game changer. I haven't done it as early as I probably should, but um, something that has helped her. So she puts her phone on do not disturb. She heads in and lays in bed to read a book for about an hour before she wants to fall asleep. Um, and naturally, I don't even think she wakes up with an alarm, you guys. And I, and I wanted to ask her this, but this is all in hindsight after I had finished recording my interview with her, but I wanted to share that with you if you're looking for some tips or ways that you can be an early morning runner. 
it always takes time. It always is an adjustment no matter when you're trying to change your routine of running. So it's not going to happen right away. You're not going to feel great right away. You're not going to be jumping out of bed right away. But here are some things that can help you. As you already know, um, just head into bed about you know, at least an hour before you actually want to fall asleep, head into bed and avoid getting on the phone, which, you know, I know I'm guilty of. Um, Put that phone up, read a book, and allow yourself to relax and go to bed at a time where your body is going to want to get up that early. You can't still go to bed at the same time as, you know, when you would quote unquote sleep in and expect to just get up earlier and be able to do it. You have to go to bed earlier because your body needs that rest. Otherwise, you are absolutely miserable. So those are my tips for you. Jane Epelous, thank you for being so amazing. Thank you for being a trailblazer. Thank you for being so open-hearted and open-minded and just a wonderful asset to our team. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day. And if you finish running, awesome job. Way to get it done, you guys. I'll see you soon. Thanks for listening, guys. Remember, if you heard something that resonated with you or something you think someone else needs to hear, make sure you share this episode. You can carry on the conversation by joining the Run Your Happy Life Facebook group or by following me on Instagram at runwithtinareppa. Send me a DM and let me know what you'd like to hear more about. I'm on a mission to turn non-runners into runners and doubters into believers. So if this is you, be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Until next time, go get uncomfortable and chase that sunshine.